0: opportunity always to assemble together father as the body of christ and to come together to eat the bread of life jesus you are light and in you there is no darkness and we're grateful father god that any place in our life that we have darkness we can have the light and his name is jesus and it's the word he's the word of god And that's what we're here to do on Wednesday nights in particular is to focus on receiving the word of God and to have it communicated to us for understanding. And I just praise you so much, Jesus, for the opportunity to serve you, our king. Thank you so much for giving your life for us so that we can turn around and receive your fullness and your righteousness to give our life to others, Lord. And back to you. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you're the teacher. Thank you that you bring us into understanding. You lead and guide us into truth and knowledge. I thank you for eyes to see, for ears to hear tonight. Your word of God, in the name of Jesus, all glory unto you. Amen. Okay, so we're going to roll through. Uh, this is going to be the last installment, if you will, on what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, minus last week because of the missions conference. And that is the practical word, the practical word. Let me go ahead and tell you, too, that in, unless you hear otherwise, we are going to convene Wednesday nights on the first three Wednesdays of every month. We want to come to a standard uh, for folks to understand and know what to expect. So from now on until you hear otherwise, unless you hear otherwise, we're going to go for the first three Wednesday nights of every month that'll give you a week off every month gives me a week off every month and and anyone else that will be teaching and um but it will give you something to to know what to expect so the first how many how many of us can remember the first three wednesday nights of every month very easy very easy and please pass that word on so when someone says are we having teaching tonight say look at your calendar and see if it's one of the first three wednesdays of the month if it is yes and when in doubt, text me or CJ and, and we'll, we'll, uh, bring a finality to it that way. So, okay. So we talk, we're talking about the practical word. That is how we see the word of God and use the word of God in our lives from a practical perspective, how it's put into practice, how we receive it, how we live by it. Okay. And so we, we started a journey, if you will, to a degree with some questions talking about what it, what the Word of God really means to you. How do you approach it? Why do you read the Word of God? And then how, have you ever really been taught how to approach the Word of God from a personal perspective? I mean, I I think a lot of church and people, a lot of church experience and a lot of people's growing up in church, it's so funny, but it seems like the fullness of their experience of the Word of God is what they get in that atmosphere in terms of anything of count other than that it's just reading it like another piece of literature with no real searching and real uh, manifestation of revelation in their lives because guess what they don't know how to do it and so why that's terrible for for people to come and go years and years and years to church and not learn how to approach the word of god to receive and grow by it okay to eat that eat that spiritual bread and so I asked that question. We talked about some Bible facts. You know, we weren't into apologetics, but yet we were trying to give a little bit of perspective in terms of the the absolute truth of the Word of God and how it's a reliable a reliable uh, manuscript. Um, we talked about the importance of the Word. The fact that it's our spiritual food and that we, we access the divine nature of God by way of the word of God. Because the, in, the interesting thing is, is that you hear about you need to get in the word. You need to get in the word. You need to read the word. Well, why? Why? You know, is it just a creed? Is it just a, 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 an assemblage of things that men have built a lot of beautiful doctrine around? You know, uh, is it, you know, what, what is the reason why? I mean, why, why is it? And most importantly, how is it really practical to today? How is it that I can use this, receive from this and put into practice the, the truths that are in this, this, this book we call the Bible? Okay. So the importance of it. It's our spiritual food. It's the way we access the divine nature of God. And so we talked about, uh, some revelations. Uh, about the importance of the Word of God in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be ending with that here tonight. We're going to go back into that and kind of get some more insight from 1 Peter chapter 1. We talked about approaching the Word. How do we approach it? You know, and uh, there were several uh, important truths to understand there that you need to know that they are more than words on the page. You need to understand that it's not just another piece of literature to put on your shelf and of equal count and importance with anything else, man, is written. You need to understand that you've got to be diligent in the process. That means you have to keep coming back to it. It's not that you've come once or twice or three or four or even five times, but it's that you're coming continually to the Word, seeking to get treasure out of it. I mean, just like someone would go to dig for treasure, I mean, there's just so rarely treasure Found by happenstance on the surface of the earth. It has to be dug. It has to be mined. It has to be produced through effort. And I don't mean that from a physical standpoint, but that from a diligent standpoint where you're applying yourself in an effort to achieve this. Same too with the Word of God. You've got to be diligent. You have to dig. We learned about the fact that God continues to speak through his word. It's not that he spoke at one point in time, and then the word of God has ceased to to speak. No, it's that God continues to speak. And we talked about that scripture that says that it's a continual action verb, that words that proceed, that continually proceed from the mouth of God. That we're not to live by bread alone, but the word of God that proceeds from the mouth of God. That means that that's a continuing action verb. It's... That he's continuing to speak today through the word of God. The words are spiritual food and that just like the physical man that requires food that without which after so long you will die. I mean you can go for quite a while some of us a lot longer than others because uh, we've enjoyed food a little bit more than others. But I gotta tell you, at some point in time, if I take you, put you in a box and take food away from you, you will die. You know, how is it that we would look at our spirits and think anything different? I mean, it's not a matter of, oh, well, we've received our salvation. We are created a new creature in Christ. Old things passed away, all things become new. And that we're just one with God from that point on, never to have any kind of a process whereby we're to grow spiritually. We're complete, we're mature, we're everything we need to be. No. Paul and others talk about us being infants from a spiritual perspective. And that we go through a growth process. Well, guess what? In order to grow, you've got to eat. And so if you're going to grow spiritually, you have to eat. The Word is the spiritual food that we eat, that we consume. We talked about key concepts of the spiritual diet, you know, and how you actually uh, uh, accomplish that or or do that eating, if you will, spiritually. We talked about steps to receiving the spiritual food, and that's this is where I want to get in tonight. I'm going to repeat a little bit of what we covered last time because we went through it very quickly. And this gets back, this gets down to the practicality of how we approach the word. So I want to just kind of take a little bit of time and we're going to go back over some of these steps. I'm going to expound on them a little bit more. So steps to receiving your spiritual food. How do you practically approach the word of God? When I say the word practical, I mean exactly what the root of that word means, practice. How do you do this? I mean, how do you put into practice? How do you, how, how can I take this from a, a realm of theory and knowledge and put it into practice? You know, that's the thing I think that a lot of folks get so focused on, particularly religious folks. And that is the theory and doctrine of religion. It all sounds great. The platitudes and things that men have to offer and develop their ability to speak in human w- words of wisdom can sound wonderful, can, can, can bring a certain amount of peace to your soul, can comfort you and be soothing to a degree. But is there really truth in what's being said? And number one, are you really receiving anything from it beyond just a, a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a soulless comfort? I mean, is it doing anything for you spiritually? You know, I mean, I'm talking about you feeding yourself spiritually. That's what we're talking about here. And so it's not just supposed to be an experience once a week that you get here in these walls, you know, from a minister, anointed of God, delivering the word of God to you. Yes, that's a very important element of you receiving the word of God. We're going to see that in the scripture here in just a little bit. A a huge part of what you receive from the word of God has to be your diligent application to the words in a practical manner. How you approach this to receive the word of God, to consume it as food and receive nourishment spiritually. And I told you we have about seven steps here. The first one is, starts off with asking the Father for your spiritual bread. This step number one. And I didn't get this from anybody. This is just what the Holy Ghost gave me, okay? And if you go to John Bevere and you go to some of these other teachers and so forth, they might give you some different steps. But there should be some similarities in what we're talking about here. Because you know what this is right here? This is a manifestation of what I've applied in my life. I'm not talking theory or doctrine. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm talking practice. I'm talking something I've proven out in my life and that I have folks here that have proven it out before me and taught me in this process. So this is, these are practical steps. Ask your father for your spiritual bread for the day. You know, and we, we saw that, um, the uh or we uh, we talked about the fact that you know jesus model prayer one of this, the the central things in that prayer was give us this day our daily bread jesus is praying that he's asking of the father and he's not talking only about physical bread because we know jesus goes on in the word to talk about the fact that man shall not live on bread alone But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we said that was a continuing action verb. That means that proceeding of his word continues even today. Yes, even right now as we're speaking, his word is speaking. For right now, present tense. And so that that bread is to be sought every day. We're to ask the Father for our bread. And so that's that's step number one to me from a practical standpoint. Go to the Father and ask Him for your bread. He knows what you need before you ask Him. But you know what? There's something about asking that has to do with the faith process. There's something about asking. And you come to the Father expecting when you ask to receive. And we know He wants you to receive His Word. And 1 John 5 talks about if we ask anything in accordance with His Word, you know, with His Word... You know, ask anything in accordance with his truths that we that he hears us. And if he hears us, we have what we ask of him. So we know that if we ask him for a revelation about his word, is he going to give that to us? Oh my goodness, He's 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 jumping for that to be delivered by way of the Spirit of God. So ask him for your daily bread. You know, look to the Holy Spirit who is the teacher and will lead you in the process. John 16, 13 says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into all truth. He being the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Okay. First John 2, 27 says the anointing you receive from Christ lives in you. Every single one of you have an anointing, have an anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it's an anointing to teach you. Listen to what he says. He says, you don't need anyone to teach you something else. Instead, Christ's anointing teaches you about everything. So every one of you here, because he was talking to believers, not just that church, but all believers. This is the inspired word of God through, through John, okay, to the New Testament church. He said every one of you have an unction, you have an anointing inside of you, and that anointing teaches you, it teaches you. Okay, so step number. So ask the Father, look to the Holy Spirit, the teacher. That's the first step. The second step. Emphasize and activate your spirit because this is a spiritual process. You're spiritually eating. You're not physically eating. You're spiritually eating. So it has to be a spiritual process. And the Father is a spirit. And Jesus told the woman at the well, a time is coming has now come that they that worship Him must worship him, in spirit and in truth. Why? Because the Father is a spirit. And if it, and like represents like, and talks to like and communicates with like. If the father is spirit, then your spirit is what is going to communicate with him. First and foremost, the mind enters the process after the spirit makes contact. The spirit is the contact to the father God who is spirit. Now the mind comes into the process from a decision standpoint. The seat of your decision is in your soul where you're deciding, I'm going to, I'm going to approach God. But you approach God as a spirit first to receive from him. Do you see the issues that can really come in to confuse people and to block the flow and to, to deafen the ears spiritually with respect to actually receiving anything from God if it's only relegated to the soul and that's the depth of your communication with God? That's Horrible. If, if all you're trying to do is reach out to God by way of your mind, you'll never be able to, to communicate with him fully. Why? God's a spirit. You've got to you've got to engage your spirit in this process. I mean it's just a, it's just a, to me it's default to understand if I'm going to communicate with the spirit, my spirit is does the communicating. That's how I communicate is by my spirit. okay? That's how I'm going to receive. It's by my spirit. So emphasize and activate your spirit by praying in the spirit for a little bit. Take a little bit of time. A lot of people are like, you know, what do I do, man, to get in the spirit? What do I do to activate my spirit? What do I do to get out of my mind? Get out of this flesh, uh, focused nature and, 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 and get into the spirit. Get my spirit brought to the forefront. Get my spirit energized and activated. Well, the quickest way you can do that is pray in the spirit pray in the spirit because that is giving your spirit utterance that's giving your spirit voice that's allowing the holy ghost inside of you who is giving that inspired utterance to pray the perfect prayer to pray the uttered inspired word of god through you to pray that out and it's coming by way of your spirit and when you open your mouth to make that decision and you engage and allow your spirit to bring that utterance forth you don't make those words up in your mind dear lord I, my mind couldn't keep up with the utterance that comes from my spirit it comes so quickly sometimes i mean if i wanted to uh it, because utterance just comes and here comes the syllables and here comes the the passion and here comes thing and it's coming by through my spirit it's not coming through my mind so that's engaging that's putting your putting focus on your spirit that's emphasizing your spirit and you know i, I t- said this before i'm gonna put my gum right there don't let me forget it because it's like dissolving. Okay, um, I said this before, but you know, uh, a, a, a person I have a lot of respect for talks about it's Kenneth Hagin. Actually, talks about how he said that sometimes he would have to pray in the spirit forty-five minutes to get his mind shut down. I mean, to get it quiet, get his soul quiet, so he could communicate with God effectively. You know, the soul is cluttered. The soul can can really be in in inhibition. To God. You know, we talked about that and you need to go listen to the tapes in the previous weeks about how the soul can be an inhibition because it says the, the spiritual things are spiritually understood and they're foolishness to the soul and you're not going to understand them from a soulless perspective. So if that's the depth of your approach, you're always going to come up against a, a dam, if you will, or a, pl- a place that you get breached in the process. You can't go on. Okay. So what do you do? You pray in the spirit, get your mind, get all the confusion and the, the worries and the cares and the things of the day and the things that are the noise and the static and the thing in your spiritual radio that are inhibiting your ability to receive a clear signal. You know, it's so interesting how on a radio, if you back in the day, well, you still do it in the radio, but back in the day, TVs you used to have a fine tune knob on them. How many of y'all remember that? You have a coarse tuner that's a channel changer, but then you have a fine tuner. And sometimes it took some action on that fine tune to go ahead and get the clearest signal possible. Otherwise, you're looking through snow. You can see most of what you need to see, but there is just an interference there. And I got to tell you, the soul represents the element of interference in your communication with God. The soul does and if you and, and what you got to do when you pray in the Holy Ghost, when you take that time to put an emphasis on your spirit, you're doing this right here with the fine-tuned but uh, 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 knob you're turning that fine tuner and you're getting that static you're clearing it out of the picture. Does that make sense? I think that's a really good analogy. Praying in the spirit helps to clear that that picture for you helps to clear that to see receive a clearer signal. And the more here's the coolest thing about it, the more you do this, the more you do this, the easier it gets. The quicker you will get there. The longer you go to the since the last time you did it, the longer you're gonna spend getting yourself to a clear channel. Why? Because you have been encumbered, you have been uh, uh wrought about, if you will, with so much stuff going on, you gotta get the static cleared out of the channel. You know what I'm saying? So it is It is by way of use, this process. The more and more you do it, the easier it becomes. The quicker you can get in the Spirit. The quicker you can receive from God and hear from Him. Okay? Okay, so that's point number two. Emphasize, activate your Spirit by praying in the Spirit. Point number three, let's let's thank God in advance for, for what you're about to get. That's called faith. And that's pleasing to God. And we know that without faith, it's impossible to please him, but, and that we know that if any man come to God, he's gotta believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that come to him, that diligently seek him. That's faith. In other words, you gotta, if any man come to God, he's gotta come by faith. That's all there is to it. And to me, one of the quickest act, faith actions is to thank God for something that you have not had manifest in the natural yet. Why? Because what you're doing is you're saying, you're aligning you're aligning your your inner belief with the spiritual reality. That's faith. You're aligning your inner belief with the spiritual reality to the place that it, that what'll happen is is when it, when it becomes a reality to your soul. In other words, you get a revelation and there's an alignment there. Then you make an, a connection to the spirit for the manifestation in the natural. That's how faith works. Do y'all see that? That's how faith works. But you start, you start, a good place to start is with thankfulness. You know what? Just thank God. And in fact, if you find yourself struggling with certain issues, thank God for the issues you're not struggling with. You know, I love what, what some of the ministers I have such a respect for talk about with respect to like, you know, you get so focused on the finger that's got pain in it, you forget about the nine others that are perfectly okay. Have no pain in them and they work great. But it's just like, oh, my finger, my finger, my finger, my finger hurts. My finger, oh, my finger. you know. And it's just constant focus on that one element. But what about the nine that work just fine? We forget about that. How about just stopping and saying, God, thank you that my other nine have not been injured. Thank you that I've got fully functioning fingers here. You know, wake up in the morning sometimes and just stir up your thinker. Just be, no, I'm telling you because it's faith. You stir up faith inside of you when you do that. And I mean, Keith Moore is huge on on thankfulness. And that's where I learned some of this concept uh, and, and applied it in my life. Wake up in the morning and just thank God for the bed you just got through sleeping on. You know how many people don't have a bed to sleep on? And particularly a bed that's that's free of bugs or free of disease or have a roof over your head that doesn't have water coming in on you. You know, thank God for that. Thank God for the fact that you've got running potable water. In your house. Thank God that you have a toilet stool that you can sit on that takes your waste away and you don't have to live on top of it. I know that sounds crude, but it's just the truth. You can get yourself to a place to where you can come out of the molly grubs real quick if you get thankful. If you wanna if you want if you want to pull up out of the molly grubs, start stirring up thankfulness. Stir- and anybody can do it without excuse. Because there is no one, I don't care how bad their circumstances, that doesn't have something to be thankful for. No one. Even Job had some things to be thankful for at the worst place of his, of his uh, desperation. Did he still have breath in his lungs? Yes, he did. Did he still have a God in whom he believed? Yes, he did. And still communicated with him? Yes, he did. I'm just saying... Man, there's there's a point there to be emphasized. Thank God for the bread you're about to receive. That's point number three. Point number four. Talking about practical steps to approaching the word of God. How you eat the spiritual food, your bread. Open the word of God and start moving through passages until something seems to catch your attention. Your focus. So now, after you've spent a little bit of time praying in the Spirit, you've thanked God, you've asked Him, you know, for what you're about to receive, asked Him for your bread, you've prayed in the Spirit a little bit, activated your spirit, and you're thanking Him for what you're about to receive, man, open the Word of God. And the place you need to start with, more times than not, is going to be over in the New Testament, particularly past uh, Acts, you know, uh, uh, into the epistles, into the into the letters. Those are the most applicable pieces of word to us today. Those are our spiritual truths that were conceived by the Holy Ghost through men and written to the New Testament church of which we are a part. So you get in the epistles. I'm talking about everything from Romans on in the New Testament. Spend time there first more than anything. The Psalms and Proverbs are excellent place too. Excellent place to start. Psalms and Proverbs. But I gotta tell you, I I didn't, I didn't discover this. I learned this from people I have tremendous respect for. And they tell you, you spend most of your time in the epistles, spend most of your time in the letters, you know, over anything else. You know, a lot of people want to go spend time back in the Old Testament and stuff, and you need to spend some time, but guess what? Your interpretation of the Old Testament needs to come by way of the light of the New Testament. You can't interpret the shadows. I like what one minister said. You can't interpret the shadows of something without standing in the light of it first. You need to get in the light of what those shadows represent to correctly interpret them and receive. I'm telling you, there are tremendous truths in the Old Testament. I'm not telling you don't spend time there, folks. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm just t- saying that you will never err to spend most of your time in the in the letters. If you don't have time for anything else, get over there in First and Second Corinthians and Ephesians, Galatians, uh, Philippians. Get over there in those letters. Colossians, Hebrews. My, my probably my favorite letter is Hebrews. Tremendous things in that book. Get over there and, and begin reading. So what do you do? You, you open it and start reading. You know? And, and you read it. And, and you and you read it from a perspective of anticipation, of expectation. And you go down through that. And, and as you're reading it, maybe you might read 7, 8, 10, 15 verses and nothing really is standing out to you. Move on to the next chapter. Read a little bit more. If nothing, if nothing's really standing out to you, move on to the next book. You know what I'm saying? I'm just giving you practical steps here. This is what I do, and so I begin reading. And I promise you, you don't have to move on very many time, very long. You don't have to move on very long. And in fact, when I'm particularly in tune and I have been feeding regularly, it's very quickly. In fact, I have opened the Bible back when I used to have a, a paper Bible and opened the Bible to the page that I began reading on and got my revelation in bread for the day right there. It didn't even turn a page. People say, well, what's up with that? Well, I just think it's Holy Ghost, divine intervention to move me right where I need to go. I mean, after all, who are we, gonna, who are we communicating with here? Who are we receiving from? We're receiving from the one that wrote the book, the one that created our ability to even move the pages. You know, of course he's going to help us out. But when you, and and it's going to be a process you're going to have to be diligent in, and you're going to have to come back to, and come back to, and come back to, and by use thereof, by reason of use, you have to keep doing this. You can't do it once, you can't do it twice, can't do it three times and say, I tried it and it didn't work. No, you got to keep on coming back. You know? The Bible, like I said, doesn't say, Paul didn't say, read to show yourself approved. He said to study to show yourself approved. And the way, you know the way you study is you're carrying around books. And you're cracking books. And you're pulling hair out of your head like my brother used to do when he was going over all that engineering stuff. Trying to understand what's in there. But you're looking for those nuggets. But the thing is, is that, the great thing is, is that you got a helper and his name's the Holy Spirit. And he's inside of you, folks. And you have already engaged your father by whom the Holy Spirit came and by whom uh, the Holy Spirit is getting his direction and he knows the will of God for you and he wants to lead you into that thing that's going to feed you to walk in that will, be able to manifest it. And so expect fully that when you engage this process, the Holy Ghost is right there with you, leading you in it. Come on, that's the way it happens. So you begin reading words on a page. You know, and you go down through there and you're reading words. And what happens is, is that as you read something, I promise you, I promise you this will happen. Something will catch your attention. Something will, you will pause and you'll be like, wait a minute, something, something just caught my eye here. I mean, I had a young man that I discipled for 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 a while, and he was very very young in this. He didn't know how to do this, and I told I was teaching him these principles. He calls me one day, and he's like telling me, "Greg," he said, "He said, can I talk with you about a verse?" I said, "Sure." He said, "You know, I was reading, and he said something caught my eye." That's exactly what he said. Something caught my eye. He said, "I was reading over in First in Corinthians chapter whatever." He said, "And I was reading. I got about four scriptures down, and something caught my eye. I'm telling you, look for that. For that something catches my eye moment. That's what you're looking for in this. You're reading the words, reading the words. Something catches your attention, and, and then when you get to that place, you know. Then step number five. So you read till something catches your focus. Don't go on." stop if it catches your focus that could be something that the holy ghost is wanting you to brood over wanting you to meditate on wanting you to spend time on and opening yourself and start digging there cuz guess what there's treasure there's treasure for your day there you, you that's where you're to stop and dig it's almost kind of like to a degree like a metal metal detector you're moving along, and as, you, and as you're as you reading the and, and skimming over those passages, it's like a person with a metal detector going over the surface of the earth. And you don't hit anything, but all of a sudden there's a... That's where you're going to stop and dig. That's what I'm talking about. Is that not a good analogy? The Holy Spirit just gave that to me. That's a perfect analogy. That's what you're doing. You're moving away, moving with your spiritual metal detector for the gold nuggets. Not to say that that all the Word of God is not gold, but it may not be the the moment for that nugget for you. But there is a nugget in there for the day for you. Do you all see what I'm saying? So that's what you're doing. And when you get that moment, stop and dig. Stop and dig. And so how do you dig? Well, what you do is you read and you reread that passage that stands out and you read it to yourself out loud. You don't just sit there and just came over it with your mind, reading it like a book you read and then you read it out loud. And then what I like to do is in <clears throat> a whole time, you need to be praying in the spirit a little bit, submitting that to the Holy ghost and saying, Holy spirit, are you trying to, is this where you want me to dig? Is this something you are trying to tell me here? What is it you're trying to give me in this passage? And then step number six is you break the passage down. That's a great place, great way to approach it is to break the passage down. So let me just turn over. I'm going to turn over to a random verse. I'm, I'm not, I, I have not planned this whatsoever by between you and the Holy Spirit and, and God. I have not planned this whatsoever. So here we go. I just, I just selected first Thessalonians chapter three and I just selected verse eight. I had no particular reason for that. I couldn't have told you between you and God, before you and God, I couldn't have told you what First Thessalonians 3, 8 was. But i got to show you here what it says here. Isn't it interesting? For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. I can tell you right now, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I could probably preach for an hour on that one verse. Now, that's not me in my understanding. That's just what the Holy Spirit could bring utterance for. Because already some things are going off in my my spirit about this. I mean, already. And so what do I say? Like, let's just pretend like what we did was decided to start out in First Thessalonians chapter 3. I mean, I'm not usually a middle-of-the-page kind of person. I'm type A personality. I like organization. I like a process. Sometimes it gets in the way. I'll admit that to you and I have to ask God to forgive me and I have to ask him to help me and get past the Martha to the Mary. But you know what? That's okay. I mean, I, so I like to start the first of the chapter. Let's say that we went on down through this first of this chapter, but then we got to this verse here. Let's just, we're just pretending and saying in verse eight, for now we live. Well, I can sit there and think to myself, oh my goodness, for now. Well, that means right now. That means the current time. You see how I'm breaking this down? When we use the word now, that doesn't mean back when this was written. That means right now for me. Because this is the word of God written to me. So this is talking about right now. The the circumstance that I'm in right now, that's talking about it. See, I'm breaking this down. For now we, well who's we? That's including me. We means all of us here that that's talking to. This passage I know is written under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost by Paul to the Thessalonica church, but is also to the New Testament church. And I'm a part of the New Testament church, so I'm part of that we. He's writing to me. He's telling me that now we, me, I live. Comma. See, use the, use the, the phrasing. To get revelation out of it. Comma. Well how do I live? If. I stand fast. Well what does it mean to stand? Stand means that I'm not in a position of. of uh, I'm, I'm in an assertive position. I'm not in a position of lackadaisicalness. I'm not in a position that I'm sitting on the my blessed assurance. I'm not in a position that I'm back on the laurels. Of my understanding or my commitment or my passion, I'm in a position that I am standing in utmost vertical potential. That's what standing means. And it says that, it says that if we, it says that right now I live if I stand. Well, what, well, okay. I could get a lot of revelation just stopping right there. But then you look and see if we we'll continue to break this down. Stand fast. Well, what does the word "fast" mean? Somebody tell me. Come on, you help me break it down. If I stand fast, huh? That's it. You don't waver. There is no. There is no plan B or C. There is no option. There is no uh highway road or low way road or whatever it is that you stand in this there is no there is no option there is no plan B there is no plan C for those of us that like to make all those plans in case the first one fails y'all see that you don't waver thank you Holy Spirit and then guess what you don't waver in the Lord See, that's how you can't waver, because guess what? Your, your ability, your foundation for that posture of faith is in God, and He never changes. He don't waver, so guess what? Your stance can't waver. Man, look look how much revelation we just got out of one verse with how many words in it? Eight, eight ten words? Look how much revelation is there. Do, do you all see that, or is it just me? I mean, come on. Do you all see that? Is there more coming up inside of you? Somebody give me some more. Let's just take off. All right. All right. Take a little off and I'm going to show you yep. how powerful this is. Today I was challenged. so not touch it in my For another. Standing on the door. For now we know. As long stand. I Josh needs to get a rhema of that verse. Do you see how the Holy Spirit just let... Can anyone deny... Can you, anyone deny the Holy Spirit's leading in what just happened? I, I, I stand before you with my word, yes, and amen. I don't have to swear because I'm, I'm, I speak the truth between you and God as much as I can. I'm not telling you that I'm 100% all the time, but by God, I try my best. And I swear to you, I did not, I had, did not pre-plan that. I did not pre-plan the verse. I had no idea where we were going to go. I didn't even know if we were going to do this. But it just following the leading of the precious Holy Spirit who is teaching us and leading us into the truths and knowledge that we need for now. See, we've got someone here that needs a revelation of that. They need a communicated word and an understanding of that one verse. Just that one verse. We don't need anything else. Just that one verse. My goodness, the power that's there. One verse. How many words is there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven words, including the articles. Can you t- can you deny the power of the Word of God? I got to tell you, if you can, you're dead. You're dead. And you need a revelation. You need a renewal. And i got to tell you, it ain't, and I'm going to use the word ain't because it brings particular emphasis, it ain't just for the teachers that stand up here in the pulpit. It ain't just for the evangelist or the other five-fold ministries. It's not just for the people that uh, have to write books and do things to help other people, other Christians that don't have those abilities or, or have the giftings and so forth. It's for every single living, breathing child of God who is going to grow in the Lord. And participate in the divine nature, like First Peter or Second Peter, chapter one says, because it only happens through the great and precious promises, the Word of God, and that's how I'm just. I submit to you. I, we just went through it. We just went through a perf- an example, a live, living example. Being led by the Holy Ghost. I had no, I, you know what I did? I, I, clicked on my, my thing here. For whatever reason, I just, something seemed right to click on 1st Thessalonians. For whatever reason, something just seemed right. I just, wow, well, chapter 3 seems right to me. And I, and my finger went verse 8. It wasn't led like a puppet. It was led by the seeming, by the seeming, by the seeming right. You know there is a seamer inside of you, and it's called the co-witness of the Holy Ghost. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That means let's turn that verse around. As many as are sons of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. And he and what he does is is he witnesses co-witnesses with your spirit. Again, this is a spiritual activity. We're engaged in the spirit here. We're seeking by faith by way of the spirit and we are, are are endeavoring to be led by our precious teacher the holy spirit he's leading us he's leading us and guess what he does this is not how god operates very rarely he does not go my precious son my precious daughter turn thee to 1st Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 8 and you will receive your bread for the day that is not how, how God leads us. Because guess what? It's a step of faith and a walk of faith as you're holding the hand of the precious Holy Spirit who is leading us. And what he's doing is going, hey, do you do you do you see that? Does, does, what do you think about that? Does that seem right? And there's an, all the time inside of you uh, as you're going along. It's just something just seems right about this. Something seems right that I need to go here. Uh, there's something in my gut that tells me that I need to do this. That's called the co-witness of the Holy Spirit. That is probably 98 plus percent of your leading is by the co-witness. It's not by an audible voice. How many of us have ever heard the voice of God audibly? Okay, so we have a couple people. It's scripture, it's scriptural, it's scriptural. God spoke audibly, audibly in the Bible, did he not? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, my soul says, I envy you. (laughs) But then again, my spirit says, it doesn't matter because you know what? Blessed, more blessed are those, you know, that believe and haven't seen. As he talked to Thomas that had to feel the the nail prints. He said, you're blessed because you believe in the scene. How about those that have believed and haven't seen? You're more blessed. So my spirit goes, I'm more blessed. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just kidding there. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. My goodness, we're like way off my notes here, but that's fine because the Holy Spirit's leading us. (laughs) <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm talking about the co-witness. So did you all see how the breaking down of the word, how, how you can approach that, how you can break it down? I, I broke that down and there's what, what did I say? There was 11 words there. I, I broke that down almost nearly word for word. I, a couple of them had to go together like the articles and stuff. But when you get to certain things, don't just gloss over stuff. Break it down. And guess what we're doing? We're digging. We're digging. Because the Holy Spirit said, there's treasure here. So we dig. Is the Holy Spirit not cool? He is awesome. The Holy Spirit is the coolest of all cool, man. I mean, he is so cool. i tell you, it is awesome to have the precious Holy Spirit, all glory and honor to him. Okay, so then break that passage down. That's what we just did. Mutter it to yourself. And, and And then here's what you do. Speak out. Any utterance that comes, don't stifle it. Did, did you hear me stifling any utterance? No, stuff was just coming out. I, I was speaking it out as it came here. As it began to come, it's like speaking the Holy Ghost. But your mind is, is involved in this too because you have the purpose to speak. So you purpose to speak and you're like, but you speak the utterance out. If you have a word, colors, it don't matter. Speak out the utterance as you're breaking this scripture down. Speak it out. Speak it out. And then what will happen is you continue the process and you're thanking God, you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're thanking Him that He's speaking to you, that you're getting revelation until you receive understanding and it seems that you have received what you're supposed to receive at the time. You'll come to a place where you get full. You're like, you're satisfied. Okay, with your experience with that scripture. Stay aware of the meditations. Of your meditations, keep muttering them, rolling them around in your heart. Listen to what Joshua one eight says: "This book of the law." Guess what the book of the law was at that point in time? It was the Bible at that time. Of what they had, it was the law, it was the Pentateuch, and some prophets and other things. I mean, it wasn't what we have now, dear Lord. How much more advantage are we now with the letters of the Holy Spirit through inspired uh, um, utterance to the to the New Testament Church? About the new covenant, expanding on the revelations of the new covenant. Oh my goodness, we're at such a greater advantage. We're at a greater advantage than Jesus was from a natural perspective. Think about it. He had to go in there and endure all those old, fogey, crusty guys, man, in the tabernacle talking about the law and all that stuff that to us is so boring. But yet the guy was in there when he was, what, 8, nine, ten years old, spending his whole days in there listening to that teaching. And guess what he was doing? He was hearing the words of his father to him that were the prophecies about what he was going to fulfill as he lived in this earth. And it became something that he had to hear over and over and over and over again because he had the same natural mind that we did that has to be overcome by the revelation truth of the Word of God. And how many of us can sit here and think so many things about Jesus that are different than us? He's no different than we were, than we are. If he is, then it's not fair. I'm, I'm, my spirit is about to explode with that. I got to tell you, folks, Jesus had to apply himself to the milk of the word and then receive the meat of the word. And he had to hear the word of God about, that would create and birth within in him the vision of what God willed for him to eventually carry to the utmost of him actually laying down his very physical life. And coming to the place that as he went into that garden, that's how I'm preaching now. As he went into that garden, that wine press, that oil pressing experience that literally pressed him to the place that he, all, he could have given up, folks. He could have called for 10,000 uh, angels and come down and it would have stopped the whole process. And they would have come down here, but he did not. Why? I have to believe that as he was sitting there telling his father, oh, nevertheless, oh, nevertheless, those visions of the revelation of the Word of God, of those prophecies about what he was supposed to feel, kept coming back, kept coming back. And he it anchored his soul. It anchored his soul to press on to the mark. Why? Because he spent time in the Word. He applied himself to it. My goodness. We have to do the same thing. If it was good enough for our master, it's good enough for us. We've got to do it too. Okay. Whew. And if you look at that Joshua one it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It says, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you are careful to do according to all that is written in it. There's such a revelation in terms of looking at this in the context of what, how, why it was spoken to Joshua in the first place. Because guess what? He was taking off where the failure of the leadership before had had stopped. In order to continue on the promise of God to those people to carry them into the promised land. To lead them into it. And he he was looking at a lot of things. He was fixing to face a lot of things that in the natural were impossibilities. Impossibilities. And here the the word of the Lord has come to him. Don't you fear? Be of good courage, Joshua. Don't you fear? Be of good courage. And he, and he says part of the process of you not fearing is going to involve you speaking out my word, speaking out the things I've told to you. You meditate on it. And that word meditate in the Hebrew actually comes from a, from a Hebrew word that means to mutter. It means to speak, to speak, to speak, to speak. And that's why it goes on to say it shall not depart from your mouth because it means you've got to keep speaking it. If you're going to really meditate on the word of God, you've got to speak it. You've got to speak it. Speaking is involved in true meditation, just like we did a while ago. It, that, med, that, was, that was meditation, breaking that down, meditating on, and then, then then you sit there and you keep focusing on it and you speak it out some more. And the more med, the more utterance that comes to you, speak it out. Don't keep it in there. And It says then then. You're, you can be careful to do all that's written in there. And so we see that obedience, and that leads us into the next thing, the last step. Most important part of eating is, in dig- is the digestion. You can eat and eat and eat, but guess what? If you don't digest a single bit of what you have consumed, whether you consumed an entire buffet's worth of food or one bite of bread, it makes no difference in terms of the nutritive value because nothing's been released for your benefit. But when you digest, then you release the nutrients that you've consumed to be a benefit to your body. Same thing with the spiritual uh, eating. Uh, You have to digest. And we talked about what the digestion process is. You know what it is? It's obeying the word of God. It's doing the word of God. You must digest and process what you receive by doing it. By doing it. And, you know, I can give you a perfect example, John 4, 31 through 34. This is the the account of the woman at the well. And we can see that Jesus, you know, has been there talking with this lady. The disciples have gone on to get physical food because they're hungry. And they've come back with physical food. And here Jesus is talking, and he's talking about eating and stuff like this. And he ends up telling them there in verse 34, You know, after the disciples, he, he said, he said, in verse 32, now I have meat to eat that, you know, not of. And the disciples like looking at one each other and going, hey, who brought him food? I thought this why we went in town was going to get food for the master and bring him back out. And he's talking about having meat to eat. Has, who, see, there are, it's all the physical. See, that's, the, that's how the soul, that's where it's going to end, end, end up. You're not going to get the, to the depth of what, is, what the truth is here. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. That is more important than physical bread is what Jesus is saying. That's more important. That's my sustenance ahead of all other sustenance, is to do the will of the Father, of him that sent me. That's the doing, that's the digestion of the things that... He, and guess how he could come to that place? Because he'd spent time meditating on the word of God. About the prophecies that he would open the blind eyes, he would heal the lame, he would... You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, about what about the very prophecy that kicked the whole thing off when he was in front of the Sanhedrin and he wrote, stood up and said, "Read from the prophet Isaiah: The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me." And he goes on and on and on. He said, "In this day, this is fulfilled in your hearing." Do you all see that? See, he he he, he meditated on that scripture. He could quote it. He meditated on the Scripture, and at that point in time, I feel like the Holy Spirit energized a revelation in him of what that really meant. And it meant the divine enablement to do those things was now on him. Do you all see that? But it was an obedience from that point on, doing, 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 digesting that. We talked about this last week. I'm not going to go into it because I've only got about five minutes or so. I'm going to take a couple more minutes after eight because we didn't start till five after seven because of the rain delay. Remember that? Listen to what James 1.22 says. Obey God's message. Don't fool yourselves by just listening to it. If you hear the message and don't obey it, you're like people who stare at themselves in a mirror and forget what they look like as soon as they leave. But you must never stop looking at the law that sets you free. You must never stop looking at the law that sets you free. You must never stop looking at the law. What is the law? It's the word of God. And the Bible doesn't say periodically look at it. It says never stop looking at it. Never stop beholding your image in that mirror. You see what I'm saying? Never stop. And it says, God will bless you in everything you do if you, and then here's the key, if you listen and obey and don't just hear and forget. I like that. That's a contemporary English version, a little bit different than what probably most of y'all have. So it's a CEV. It, I like that. If you listen and obey. And I talked about the word doer here is actually from the Greek word that means performer or poet. And it's one that actually does an action one time, never to be repeated. It's something that he, when he does it, he does it. There's no practicing. There's no, uh, you know, five attempts before the real game. It's game time. When you, when you set forth to do what James is talking about in terms of doing the word, it's game time right then. It's not practice. It's game time. Y'all see that? there's a difference a huge difference there and i talked about you know the the wise words of yoda do or do not there is no try there's too much too much trying in the kingdom or t- with with christianity too much trying too much trying the word of god in terms of morality too much trying the word of god in terms of of trying to to live the kingdom principles too much trying and guess what every time you try you're going to fail Every time you try, you're going to fail. Why? Because you're not coming from a perspective of this is reality and it's game time. You're coming from a perspective of I've got a I've got a uh, uh, an out here. I got a plan B. See, too many of us are hedging our bets against the principles of God. Too many of us are are planning B and C and D whenever there's only one plan in the kingdom of God, and it's plan Jehovah A. It's Jehovah Word. It's plan W. It's the word. Did you know that now we're actually getting to the place that I was going (laughs) to talk about some new things? (laughs) But I think we covered some new ground, actually. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let me let me share the last thing i was going to talk about and then we'll see how god leads us in the future in terms of maybe presenting this again <laughs> the another way that you receive the word of god first of all i want to challenge everyone to spend time in first in second peter chapter 1 spend time in second peter chapter 1 this whole chapter is is about the importance of the word of god and and the process of spiritual maturity You know, so many of us are always on that, we're always on that, that, that course. We're always on that, that move to try to find the next greatest thing, you know, in terms of spiritual maturity and what is it that's going to get me to where I need to be. Guess what? Second Peter chapter one will give you everything you need to know. Don't need to know anything else. It's right there, iterated spirit, the process and the mechanics and the results of spiritual maturity right there. And it's also, and it's all by the Word of God, the great and precious promises that we participate in the divine nature, that we grow thereby. But one more thing here. We have just about three minutes. One of the most important avenues of the truth into your life, and I want everyone to listen very intently. I, I haven't sought Pastor CJ's permission for this. He trusts the Holy Spirit in me and trusts I'm going to listen to him and not lead us astray here. And I'm not I'm not patronizing him or or any of the leaders in this church or in the church in general, but I do have to tell you that one of the most important avenues of the truth of God into your life is the ministry of the Word under anointed vessels. In the church, in the church, in the church, in the church. Not just you sitting at home listening to the TV. Not just you sitting at home listening to the the cassette recorders. And most people, or a lot of young people are like, what is that? Or CDs or or the the bites coming over an internet stream. I'm talking about you coming and you being in the middle of a living, breathing body. with uh, With people of like precious faith who are also seeking the word of God seeking the counsel of the word and are benefiting from guess what the fivefold ministry. And so let's just move into this real quick. First um, Peter uh, 1, again it's first Peter 1, 12 to 15 just listen. Just listen, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. If he's telling you I'm putting you in remembrance, that means he's taught them to him before, right? Otherwise, that there, why are you saying remember whenever you had not even heard it one time? So obviously he's telling them something he's already told them before. He says, I will not be negligent to remind you. In other words, I'll not be negligent to repeat to you over and over and over again and stir up your mind by way of remembrance I will not be negligent to put you always, always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. Isn't that interesting? Though you know them. And yet here Peter is iterating these things to them again. And he's saying, though you know them. And how many of us sit here and say, I know this stuff? How many of us sit here and say, I know how to get revelation in the Word of God? How many of us sit here and say that I've had, I got familiarity with this process? That's the very reason why I'm I'm telling it to you again by way of the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? Familiarity breeds contempt. It breeds idleness. It breeds resting on your blessed assurance. Instead of staying active and staying seeking and digging, digging, digging. I know because it's happened in my life. And is there even today as I speak to you to a degree. You can get familiar. Familiar. He says, though you already know them, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be uh, telling you, putting your remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Right here, I believe, uh, I heard from a minister in this uh, teaching on this, and he talked about Peter saying being established in the present truth is talking about the truths under the utterance of the Holy Ghost through men about the new covenant. About the epistles being written right then. Guess what? The epistles that I told you that we need to spend most of our time reading. Because that's the present truth. That's where you need to spend your time. In the present truth. And verse 13 says, Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to, again, stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Again, talking about remembrance again. Verse 14, Knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus has showed me. And you can go back to, I think, John chapter 20, whenever Jesus told Peter how he was going to die. That's what he's bringing up here. In verse 15, moreover, I'll endeavor that you may be able after my death to have these things always in remembrance. In other words, I want to keep telling them and keep telling them and keep telling them and keep telling them and keep telling them to the point to where after I'm dead, you continue to hear my voice by the utterance of the Holy Ghost coming up in your heart, stirring those, these truths up. So, and I gotta point something out to you. How many of y'all know what eight times eight is? Quickly. How many of y'all know what nine times four is? How do you know that? Did you have to stop and think about if I took nine four times? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No, you didn't have to do that. How did you know that? Because of remembrance. Because guess what? Some third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade teacher made you go through multiplication tables till you were puking sick of it. Do you heard it so many times you could recite those things as soon as the flashcard came up? I mean, it became a competition for me when I was in there. It. It's like like you see not, you see the, the nines come up, and it's like, is that a three at the bottom? If it's twenty twenty seven, 27. It's like, you know, so it's 36. And it's like, yes, got it. I didn't have to think about it because guess what? I put it to my remembrance. I stirred up my remembrance. And that's the way it is with the Word of God. We've got to get the Word of God in us to the point to that when circumstances bring that flash card of of, uh, resistance against you, the Word of God says, by His stripes I'm healed. The Word of God says, no, uh, He became poor, took upon Himself my poverty so that through His poverty I might become rich. I have all sufficiency of all things at all times and abound unto every good work. Greater is he who is in me than than he that is in the world. Y'all see what I'm saying? To where it's almost like a sponge, to where when somebody punches that sponge, stuff oozes out. And it's got it needs to be the word of God. And guess where the oozing pour needs to be? Right here. That's where the oozing pour needs to be. When circumstances press do the Pillsbury doughboy press in your button, you need to just ooze right here the Word of God. And, but here's the key. Here's the key. It has to be. It has to be come from a tangent of revelation. It can't just be from rote memorization, because memorization of the Word of God and being able to do your sword drills in the face of circumstances is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you pulling from a fiber of reality with that truth, and you're manifesting that. Just like this right here, first uh Thessalonians three eight. Joshua Todd needs to get to where he believe he doesn't just believe that, he knows it. Praise the Lord. So real quickly, we're talking about the importance of you having an avenue, or the avenue of the truth of God. One of the most important avenues, aside from what we talked about in terms of those steps, is you participating, you staying seated under anointed teaching, you being disciplined to incline your ear unto, unto anointed vessels, the fivefold ministry vessels in particular. Listen to what Ephesians 5 says, and Pastor C.J. has been talking about this. Have you not, Pastor C.J.? You said this, I don't know how many different times, talking about the 5 ministries equipping the saints. Fivefold fold ministries' job is to equip the saints, not to do the work, to equip the saints to do the work. How many times have you said that over the past months? Oh, quite a few times. Quite a few times. Listen to what Ephesians 5 says. That's where he gets this scripture, 11 through 13. So, and this will be it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Those are the 5 ministries. I could go into something here that's saith that's Greg, but I'm not going to do it. You can ask me about it later. To equip his people for works of service. There it is. That's the whole intent and purpose. It's not for those men to have a, a career and, a, and an ability to live and thrive uh, uh, based on the gospel only. It's for them to live and thrive to equip the saints to do the work of the kingdom. To equip the, his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ—that's talking about the whole church united across the world—so the body of Christ, locally, globally, may be built up until we all reach maturity, till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. What is the knowledge of the Son of God? It's the knowledge of the Word. Are we at a place that we have reached maturity and unity in the knowledge of the Word of God? Then is the is the function of the fivefold ministry uh, is it done? No, it's not. It's, it's gotta continue. It's gotta continue until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature until we see the process of Second Peter chapter 1 carried out where you add into your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance godliness and to godliness, you know, patience and to patience so on and so forth. And I might have mixed a couple of those up, but those are all in there until you eventually get to the place that it's agape love coming out of you. And until we get to that place of unity, of that maturity, folks, the five-fold ministry is going to go on. And guess where the, the context of five-fold ministry occurs? In the church. Pastor CJ, leaders of this church, I want to submit to you all a scriptural proof of the importance of church. Aside from thou shalt not forsake the assembly of yourself together. That's the one that all of us use, including myself. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's like, no, I don't need to come to church. Oh, brother, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's like that's the only thing you can you can pull up in the moment. But i got to tell you, here, right here, to me, is a more practical proof of the need for church. And it's the context for the operation of the equipping of the saints to do the work. And that's the five-fold ministry to occur. That's in the church, folks. That's in the church. You want to talk about how important it is to be in church where you can be fed? That's it. And that ain't, thus saith Greg, that is the word of God. I I don't see how you can read it differently. So I'm going to leave you with a question on that. What role do five full ministers fulfill here in this scripture? How long do they perform that role? I've answered the question, but I want you to think about it some more. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us. I'm so grateful for your anointing, Holy Ghost, and all honor be given to you and to Jesus and to most of our Father ahead of everything else. Thank you for these truths. Help us, Holy Spirit, to live them help us to walk them out. Oh God, thank you for leading us into truth and knowledge by way of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, again, for your sacrifice, for your light. That's our life. Oh God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. So we went over more than we've ever gone over before. And I told you we're going to go over a little bit. So I apologize for that, but I don't ever go over, do I, you guys? I went over one time, I think it was, the week before last. That's the first time ever. But you know what? We got started like seven minutes after, too. So, okay, y'all are dismissed.